Is that a banana in your tailpipe or are you just happy to see me, Sam? <laughs> Welcome back to Evenings with the Imaginary Music Podcast, guys. Ooh, I'm David. Smooth. I like it. I'm Sam. Hello. Hello. Let's really lean, in. Let's really lean into our microphones. <laughs> Welcome to the Yeah, it's, uh, we've got those deep voices. Yeah. I it's the movie hour. Some Sam it's and the Dave. movie hour. And what are we doing this week, Sam? What do we watch? We're watching the very sensual, deep. Uh, no, it's just Eddie Murphy shouting, It's Beverly Hills Cops! No, it's cop. Beverly Hill. Beverly Hills Cop. That's it, I got there in the end. That's where the S goes. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is uh, perhaps the sexiest uh, Eddie Murphy film. I'm going to go out on a limb there. <laughs> um, not in Professor 2, The Clumps. Sexier. <laughs> just saying that right now. I mean, I don't want to kink shame, Sam. Um, <laughs> but... That's what are you going to? Just <laughs> think, your just, thing just, for Eddie Murphy in a fat suit. Is this some big mama's house? Just what black guys in fat suits just do it for you? You it, creep. I mean, yes, to be honest. But that's uh, listen, uh, you said you weren't kink shaming and you are. And I feel attacked. <laughs> I, feel oh, I reneged on that immediately. As 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 do I think we've just lost a substantial um, portion. Can't go lower than zero, Sam. That's the beauty of viewership. But but it's not zero, is it, Dave? Because it's it's zero now. It was it was numbers higher than zero mere seconds ago before you insulted our fat suit loving audience, and I I am offended for them and you. Well, happy for you. Um, so Beverly Hills Cop from nineteen eighty four, which is nearly forty years ago. Um, <gasps> <laughs> I heard from a friend yesterday who was like. Um, a little bit older than me, and it's his fortieth. Uh, so he's let me know when the when the celebration is, and I was like, "Oh God, 40, 40, 40 years old." Yeah, we're, we're not. We're getting there, aren't we? This is this is a movie from before we were born, but it's a movie that was, I think, definitely for me in that like talked about it before. But that period, that teenage, I'm going to watch every movie possible, and this was right up there. Not, I think, you know, there's this this bit of a bit of a suggested movie as well it's got a certain scenes which probably was uh, an appeal for it's a, a grown-up t- movie isn't it it's a it's a grown-up movie that's a what do we mean by grown-up movies well basically um <laughs> the marvel films we <laughs> always kicking them oh off, we, right, you need to, we need to pick a but different just, option what they are what they are is an important and an important and goliath there are like 40 of those movies 40 <laughs> Um, that have all been Talk made about, in the last 15 years. So I'm, <laughs> we, we're going to give Marvel a kick. We're going to give Marvel a kick because generally that represents like a large proportion of the money being spent on movies. of movies in the last exactly. 15 years. Yeah, okay. Exactly. So like the Marvel movies are, you know, we're blowing up the entire universe. We're snapping our fingers and, you know, millions of souls are being erased. But... It's also quite sanitized, uh, quite kid friendly. Um, there's not a lot of like real world stuff. There's no grime in those movies. Um, yeah, which is you know, and that's fine for what they are. Um, I just wish we'd have other movies as well. Beverly Hills Cop is a, I think, because it's made in a period at, at a period where um, is it the same year as Ghostbusters? <laughs> I think so. It's like, uh, yeah, so that, Ghostbusters that is right, sort of similar it? as well. Like these are movies that I think, you know, older children, teenagers would enjoy it. But mostly, this is aimed at the kind of like the twenties audience, isn't it? And, and obviously, yeah. nowadays, that's probably the segment of the population is going to the cinema one of the least times. But in the eighties, that was probably a lot higher. But but Ghostbusters is a good pull because this is a bunch of Saturday Night Live, uh, Circuit City folks. You know who are like this is these are these are grown up people who who aren't going to be a, there for kids, and it's not about like it's not there's no fucking teenagers in it who have to, you know are trying to work through their their bloody shit. It's 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 people and you know everyone's got two mortgages and like the whole the the the, the, the whole thing is just like this is a grown up movie. I mean Ghostbusters is slightly less. It is a bit more 
kiddie and the second one is terrible for that. Yes, but what it is, and it's actually like and coming of age movies generally, like movies with character growth are really interesting, but this movie could not be less about that. This is a movie of fully formed adult people um, who, you know, we learn who they are and then that's who they are. Whereas I guess like a a kid's movie is usually much more about learning a lesson and becoming a better person or solving a problem or whatever. And I guess they do kill this this um, drug dealer at the end, so I guess we do solve a problem. Um, yeah, job done, job done. But, uh, so you, you, when did you watch this first? When was the first we talked about this, and it's kind of one of these movies like Star Wars, and again, not like Star Wars, but for me, like Star Wars, I don't really remember having not seen it. It's always mm-hmm. kind of something that I... It was on TV a lot. Uh, there is a TV-friendly version of this where they cut things out like the N-word and other such swear, other such things that you can't show on television in Britain ever. Uh, not even on Channel 5 after midnight. Um, and they'll show a lot on Channel 5 after midnight. I don't know if that's still the case. I really, I'm really, I'm really out of the loop on um, terrestrial TV, which isn't even terrestrial anymore. It's all fucking digital. Anyway, all, this isn't the, this isn't the TV technology podcast. No, no. But um, I don't distinctly remember having watched it. But it's a film I've always enjoyed, um, and and I and I always enjoy rewatching. And I've probably seen this film ten, twelve times in the last fifteen years. Yeah, it for, for me it really is. It's like one of those movies that it's a grown up movie. It's got sex. It's got nudes. It's got violence. It's got the. It's got big hair. It it it's got it's full of eighties pizzazz. It's you know, it, it, and I think it really typifies that era of mo- of movies. We've got the music that runs through it, the synthesizers. You know, the whole kind of like vibe, and also I think it's beautiful. It's beautiful, and I think because because of that kind of hard edge and, and and the start of this is like real like holy shit like in detroit poverty holy crap like the 80s was rough like it really that griminess i think is something that really 80s movies just re- get so right you know they get they, like compare i think to um like 70s movies grimy in maybe a different way kind of less <laughs> uh, less fun Whereas eighties are like okay, that's pretty dark. Like maybe we should move away from. I think here's here's a pull here, and obviously Detroit is a very troubled city generally. Um, you know, let's not really dig into that too much. Seventy seventies <laughs> movies are grimy because they're reflective of the cities at the time, right? Yeah. So like we we've talked about New York and um, the horror of central, you know, of the city in the seventies. <laughs> Um, didn't they go bankrupt? Anyway, this isn't this isn't the American cities poverty podcast. Um, not right the second anyway. And so I think the seventies movies are reflective of how bad the cities were, and you got the gas crisis and leaded fuel only stopped being used in the early seventies, and like all People of people being poisoned everywhere. It's fantastic. And the violence and the raw sewage everywhere, and just the general like filth. And then the eighties, and this is it, you know, reasonably early for this, but things had got better. Um, cities were being you know they were um cleaning themselves up basically park rejuvenation schemes and all of that maybe not detroit certainly um the evidence says no but um whereas 80 movies i think are more reflective of the kind of like the griminess is referencing the griminess of the 70s when actually that's kind of on the way out while at the same time we've got synthy music we've got like 80s fashion we've got the big hair and the you know all the pleather um outfits and you know it's it's kind of this good mix and and this movie encapsulates that perfectly when we go from detroit which is very much still in the 70s it's it's this is literally uh robocop land like the, detroit in this movie looks like exactly the city the, the apocalyptic city they're living in robocop um intentionally i think uh, and then we go to Beverly Hills, where everyone's obviously rich, um, and Beautiful. they really, they re- exactly, they're in LA. Everyone's rich and everyone's sexy as fuck, and they lean into it, and that's kind of the whole premise of this movie. It's fantastic. Well, well, it's 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 the it's the main character of this movie, which is money. Like that's that's <laughs> that's the difference, I think, isn't it, between ni- the nineteen seventies vibe and the nineteen eighties vibe? We're in full 
scale Reaganomics, deregulation. This is fantastic. Nothing's going to go wrong with this. Absolutely brilliant. All the way to the bank, you know, like we are stripping away all of the all of the social programs. Everything's fantastic. And I just think it's like that is the vibe that they're going for because the 80s really does typify that, doesn't it? It really does typify that kind of that optimism probably. <coughs> Excuse me, which I think in the 70s filmmaking is darker. It's kind of reacting to the sanitized 1950s feel. It gets really dark, a little bit too dark, you might say, a little bit too grimy, and we want we want some lightness. I think that's where Eddie Murphy comes in as well, because he is a ball of energy. He is a ball of, of, of fun, and he's so engaging in this movie. And I don't have a particularly good um, opinion of, of Eddie Murphy when it comes to his, his whole filmography, because I think beyond this movie and... <sighs> trying to think of another good Eddie Murphy mo- Shrek maybe like I think he's pretty shite but he's so electric in this and I think <laughs> that syncs up with the 80s vibe he he, he yeah. really embodies that 80s feel you know he does especially in this because he's so young and fresh and um, funny and, and that's the biggest thing with Eddie Murphy and it's kind of what his career is built on and I kind of agree there's a lot of like clunkers, like Daddy Daycare's okay. There's some laughs. Um, yeah. The Nutty Professor is problematic, <laughs> even at the time. Um, Norbert. I... Yes, Norbert. You know, there's Holy a lot of like... I, I, t- I would tend to say I like early era um, Eddie Murphy stuff. Um, I really, Dream really like places. Vampire in Brooklyn. I think I'm the only person in the world who likes Vampire in Brooklyn. I love Trading Places. That's a beautiful um, film, isn't it? It's Another eighties movie. Ac- you know, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, like Dan Aykroyd, whole... Eddie Murphy, Jamie Lee Curtis. Perfection, absolutely brilliant movie. And that's where it kind of, I think after this one, it, it does start to go downhill and. He well, I think it's because he's such a big star well, that he can. I think I think Eddie Murphy's a really good actor. Generally, I also think Eddie Murphy is a really indulgent writer, um, and the <laughs> things that he finds funny aren't necessarily the things. Not you know, there isn't like a per- comedy's funny and funny, funny, interesting, not funny, funny, <laughs> confusing. I know. Um, and Eddie Murphy's what all the things that Eddie Murphy thinks are the funniest thing in the world, things in the world. Maybe were in 1978 when he was coming up, but by the 90s, and we're still doing the him in a fat suit playing 19 characters, and it's kind of like this isn't funny anymore, Eddie. And so I think maybe I would have liked, I would have liked Eddie Murphy as a leading man in more things, more than I liked the Eddie Murphy directorial, producing, writing, starring, and then starring and starring and starring and starring in all the different roles. For every, I would have liked it more more if we'd done. Right, let's get Eddie Murphy in to be the lead in this movie. Let's, you know, yeah. more of that Stallone trajectory, perhaps, like that that era where he just comes in and he helms your movie, rather than he comes in and he rewrites it and plays every character. And I think that's where we hit the limits of his probably ability in terms of, or, or at least his range, you know. And and I think that's why this movie works so well is because it is laser focused on what he is capable of, which is charm humor he's he's really like savvy as well you know he's he's got he's he's fantastic at what he does in terms of his job and he knows how to he's got this confidence that's exuded and i think that's really hard to 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 ignore it's you know the axel foley character in this movie feels really fully formed yeah i'm not surprised at all we got two sequels which are trash um but it kind of feels like there could have been even more because this character is just so quick talking and he's clever um, and he's really, really poor. He's working class and that's funny. Again, slobs, slobs versus snobs. I always love in an 80s movie mm-hmm. and this is that. Um, he's cleverer than the other cops. Um, there's a little bit more of a troubling copaganda kind of vibe where he's kind of breaking laws um, to the, arrest the, the bad the, guys and that's... The, the you know, but that's fine what, in the context of... We'll come back to that. Yeah. Copaganda yeah. uh is cop propaganda. Yes. Then it's that's... it's movies and TV and it's all over the place and there's been a bit of a um 
a bit of a um, withdrawal on that front, I think, uh, in the last couple of years. Certainly, like outwardly, certainly within within uh, TV and films. But it's the idea, and so many movies, obviously, like the idea that of the um, superhuman police and the idea that um, the police are somehow like intrinsically uh, more fit to break the law uh, because they know best. Um, well, I think we see, yeah, we've certainly seen a change, but I think this is this is in in the nineteen eighties and into the nineteen nineties. Certainly, it's it's you know Keanu Reeves' character uh, or or um, you know that real that real idea that cops are going to save the day and it's going to be and it's going to be lethal weapon and it's gonna, and I think this movie is so about that. But I suppose maybe there is a reference, there is there is an attempt to show that, you know, the the police when when he gets arrested for being thrown out of a window, <laughs> like the two most Aryan looking white guy cops come along. It's Beverly Hills, clearly, to be fair. In they are clearly there to beat up some some people who don't look like them. Like, and that is, I think, there is just the tiniest suggestion. But generally, we still look at, you know, Axel Foley's going to save the day. There are, there are worse examples. There are worse examples. He isn't going through this movie murdering bad bad guys, I will say, um, yeah. which is, is to the benefit. And there's certainly other movies and certainly the sequels. I think he's shooting a lot more bad guys, a lot more usually European um usually white bad guys that are just kind of like disposable mm-hmm. um oh and it's not as bad as the lethal weapon movies where the body count in those movies is obscene yeah it's crazy like i don't know what the actual rules are i don't think there is a specific rule but if as a serving police officer if you've if you've killed 17 people in the line of duty like in a day i'm yeah. not sure you're you know what I mean? i'm not sure you're coming back for the next case you know I think I think Dave, you just need to stop being such a namby pamby, you know, played by the rules type of guy. This is this is how we get things done. This is how we get the bad guys off the streets because we replace the bad guys and we become them. And we'll take but in Fantasyland. In Fantasyland, I will say, like it's important to say that and get it out of the way. But in Fantasyland, I think it really works in this movie. Um, I think yeah. partly because Axel Foley character is so likable, and partly because he's at odds with the police throughout so much of this movie. Mm. That even that we kind of forget that he is um, an instrument of governmental oppression. <laughs> <laughs> he's not got a uniform on. He's wearing slacks. He's he's happy. He's fun. But, um, let's talk about. I want to talk about the plot of this movie actually um, a little bit through because I think that it is rather segmented. And you touched on it earlier. Let's talk about the Detroit scene. Do you want to buy some cigarettes? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. And some. Uh, 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 bearer bonds as well if you've got them just saying you know like i was it's... obsessed with the idea of bearer bonds when i was a kid i don't know about <laughs> you from films like this that and kruger rounds i was like oh my god it's like it's like money that you carry around with you and it's worth money and i was like i, I don't think in my brain i was like how it... as an adult i'm like well the only way it's better than money is that it's more there's more, more like a bearer bonds worth less, more it's less it's less fl- you know fluid you can't you can't get you rid can't of it go and spend it at the off license no no um you, you need to be in a certain strata in which case people are going why is this why is this schlub bearer bonds in deutschmark what the fuck's that about like that's insane it's cool though um, See, so before, eddie murphy's before, a cop we get the yeah. opening in the truck with the cigarettes i think is it's good an opening as you can want in a movie it's fun it's actually uh, the the song that's playing as they're uh, um, driving the truck away and destroying half the city is perfect. The captain, I love the captain. Uh, sorry, the the inspector Todd, inspector Todd, who's screaming at him and giving him shit. Um, yeah. All works really really well. I think sets sets the movie up pretty well in terms of telling us who this guy is and and what he you know what he's up to. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's where you, you you're again you you thrust straight into the, look at this cool guy. He's a you know Eddie Murphy's cool. He's gonna play. He's gonna go undercover and not tell anyone. It's gonna be fantastic, and he's gonna steal a truck because he can do it. It's fantastic, and it really is kind of playing to the cops are great guys, but also he's a rogue, you know. And there's something that I think connects with 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 us as like 
men. This is such a male movie. You know, this is such a ridiculously <laughs> male movie, and it's one of the. I feel it feels so indulgent in some ways because, what there's like, one woman in this entire, and she has almost nothing to do. You know, like it's a real. Yeah, my my sort of rebuttal, Sam, and again, I I think generally there should be more women in movies, and certainly they should be given things to do. Um, but I will say that I don't think this is any worse than a lot of other things. No, but it but it feels it feels like fantasy. You know, we talked like because it is male fantasy movies, which isn't fantasy. Do you want to go to Beverly Hills and presumably fuck this really attractive woman with the big hair and also shoot some bad guys to avenge your dead friend? Sign me up. There we go. But yeah, so he's 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 we've got this rogue character that we love, and he's kind of like his then uh, connection, I suppose, to his old life. He clearly came from the rough areas and he was you know he was he he almost escaped doesn't he through being a cop the fate that yeah was, so he he's become friend. a cop and a detective which kind of tells you he's been a cop for a while and his friend who went to prison for for when they were stealing cars and it's uh, yeah. so we meet um mikey michael tandino uh we hear this name a lot, a lot throughout this movie because it's kind of the it's the mcguffin isn't it it's the it's the murder is the the thing so your friend who's been in prison turns up, breaks into your house. Um, I don't, I don't have a lot of friends that I would be cool with. That <laughs> breaks oh, into his oh, house. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll change my plans. It's fine. Carry on. <laughs> breaks into his house with this paper bag full of bearer bonds that he, they take to the bar. I know. Again, if I've got bearer bonds, I'm going to be locking that shit. I'm going to be firstly, how the hell do I get rid of bearer bonds? How do I get cash? And also, I'm not going to be whiffing these round. Look at all these bearer bonds I've got. You know, this is the trouble with with I, the they're really cool MacGuffin in this movie. I really like it, but I didn't actively research, but I have looked into it before. And again, it's like like you said, you couldn't even take them to any bank. Like there are certain places where you could like redeem them, and they would have questions. I guess the whole point is that they wouldn't have loads of questions about where you got them necessarily. Yeah. But surely there's got to be something to make sure you haven't stolen them. Apparently, apparently, here we go. So, uh, in issuance of bearer bonds was effectively outlawed in the United States since the 1980s due to their use shock horror in illegal activities. Um, all bearer bonds issued by uh, so all the ones issued by the Treasury matured. The amount outstanding is approximately 87 million as of March 2020. Wow, that's not as much as I thought it would be. So, I guess basically we've said we don't want bearer bonds anymore because. Crazy people use them for illegal shit. Like that's surprising. It's like, do you remember the European Union? Um, do you remember when they basically rolled rolled back the five hundred euro notes after it transpired that they were being used exclusively by drug dealers? <laughs> hey, I I I pay for my groceries every week in five crisp five hundred. It's sequenced five hundred pounds. No, sorry, unsequenced. Definitely unsequenced. <laughs> Un- unsequenced five hundred euro notes. Who doesn't? You know who's who, who's using credit cards again? Or, though it's kind of like the um, coins. it's kind of what crypto hasn't managed to do. But the idea, like, oh, it's this an untraceable um, monetary thing? Great, that won't be used for crime at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, you get free, you know, free laced cocaine with every bill. But don't worry about that. You know, it's fine. Everything's fine. It's fine. That's a free gift, Sam. It's, you're not selling <laughs> drugs. Free gift. It includes free gift cocaine. One in every box um, of... But we get we meet Mikey. We go to the bar. Fun scene. We come back to the flat. This is when, this is when the movie's like, well, we're not fucking around. Because this guy gets murdered so quickly and so brutally. Although it's, this, is, this is the first... I tell you, this is the first ding of, oh, this is a grown-up movie. Cash. This is a grown-up movie. Like, this is a proper, this is a proper execution. You know, this isn't fucking around. And that's what I think the difference between this and maybe what might come afterwards is that this is a brutal takedown. Well, the, whole, the whole world, Eddie Murphy, is knocked out. He's completely out of it. And they don't go for him because they don't, they realise... We can't just be murdering loads of people. We're just here to take this guy out. It's a professional hit. 
because he fucked them about with these bearer bonds. And I think that's a great, like, oh, yeah, we're not messing around in this movie, you know? Yeah, and it's just he's just dead, and it's it's quite a short scene. Again, I think it's it's actually like um, it's quite good on the script, and it's good directorially because they don't extend it. We meet this character, we like this character generally. Mikey's quite fun and laid back, and you know a bit bit rough, but you know we like him. And then he's murdered by um, Jonathan Banks. I was just looking the name up, um, who is an actor you wouldn't. He's been, he was in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, which comprises the last. 15 years of his career. <laughs> yeah. he's, done so he's, well. done, he's done pretty well. Um, he's pretty good, like as an old man actor. It's kind of weird to see him in this uh, with hair. He's in a couple of things. He's a bit of a heavy, a hey, it's that guy. Um, he's a good henchman, I think, in this movie. Yeah, yeah, he's good. And and he's one of, the, you know, the, the series of, of kind of baddies that, that we get to see. Um, and it, something that I think movies don't do enough of is... Give us a bit of mystery. Give us a bit of intrigue. Like, have us understanding what's going on at the same time as the cat, as the uh, as as the main character. And so when he's like, "Okay, I'm off to Beverly Hills. I'm oh, I'm absolutely not. You know, I'm taking time off. I'm not going to be doing anything police activity wise." And he's off, and like, we get to just go on that almost bit like a road movie kind of journey of him exploring. 1980s Beverly, Beverly it, Hills, which it goes to the rule, which is if the characters in your movie are having fun, you're having fun. Yes, exactly. Eddie Murphy could be driving down the road like, my friend's been murdered. I'm going to get to Beverly Hills and I'm going to fuck shit up. But no, he's laughing. He's joking. He's playing. The scene in the hotel is kind of encapsulates everything about why Eddie Murphy in this era is perfect. <laughs> you know, the yeah. Michael Jackson thing and... Well, you know, well, I think it goes back to his previous work. You know, he was uh, the, his stand-up, his you know, his, his kind of comedy career. Like that shows up a lot in this because he is funny and he can he can characterize in a way. And the whole Michael Jackson thing and the being a reporter and blah blah blah, like all of that stuff. Tell the article. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Don't but say Michael it. Jackson can can sit on top of the world as long as he doesn't do so at the Beverly Hills, yeah. um, whatever it is, hotel because they don't allow in there. Um, it's just a perfectly delivered line, and and um, again, it's kind of down to this character being quite like he's he's quite ha- willing to make a scene. He does it a couple of times throughout this movie, and again, that is really clever actually as a detective character. Like that is a really good understanding of how people how people um, act is to know that if you start making a scene, usually people give what you want if it's reasonable to get you out of there. Yeah, it it also leans on, and again, two white guys on a podcast. Let's not go crazy, but it's a it's a racial movie. It's not racist necessarily. Other people, but it's it's a movie about race, isn't it? Because of Eddie Murphy's kind of like, and so he he says when he later on when he's in the warehouse, how do I, you know, how 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 does a black guy walk in here without getting uh, some someone stopping him? You know, and it's like the idea. It's definitely that, a factor, and I think it's um, he leans on. It's it, interesting though, for he? the era because we don't have loads of black leading men in well now. Yeah. Or any time previously, really. Totally. Um, so it's interesting that, and it's noteworthy that, because of that, every other main major character in this movie is white. I think. Again, let's not get into let's not write a dissertation about race in Beverly Hills Cop, but I think from a filmmaking point of view, I think it's very much a note like that. All the other characters have to be white because. You know, otherwise white people aren't going to go and see it, and I don't necessarily think that's true. But I think that's something that movie executives in 1984 certainly thought was true. Yeah. You know, you've yeah. got um, Rosewood and what's his name, Sergeant Taggart. I think Taggart and Rosewood, and you've got Taggart and Judge Reinhold. It plays Billy Rosewood. And you've got the the the, the girl um, and the bad guy and the Lisa captain. Ellie Backer plays Jenny Summers. Ronnie Cox, Lieutenant Bogomil. Stephen Burkoff as Victor Mayland, the baddie. He's pretty good. 
Yeah, I mean, I like the cast generally, um, and I don't think it weakens the movie. I just, I just think, I think it, that was like a. Do you know what I mean? If it's a movie just starring black people, then suddenly um, it's a different genre, you know. Um, it's, and I think that has changed a little. But again, I think that's just the way that, especially America, which has a very confusing um, relationship with race and stuff like this, because they want black people to go and see their movies, but they also don't really want to make movies for them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, not maybe not in that kind of like mainstream sense, but yeah, certainly it's 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 in kind of tricky, isn't it? And the um, the confrontation or the the antagonism between uh, you know Axel Foley's character, Axel Foley, and the the rest of the police and like they're putting bananas on the tailpipes and this he, he's sending them dinner and it's it's a real kind of cat and mouse stuff again it's light it's just light and I think I think this I, is the cleanest police car I've ever been in yeah I've been in a great line but there's lots of stuff there's lots of like um there's obviously comparisons to Lethal Weapon there's comparisons to maybe later on kind of uh, some of the nineties stuff but you know, I think this is such a light movie, and I think compared to compared to some of the other Die Hard's a bit more serious and a bit grimier. Lethal Weapon, I think, is a bit kind of preachy, not necessarily preachy, but it's a bit more noble, isn't Lethal it? Lethal Weapon's is... about a guy who wants to kill himself. That's how you're introduced to the character. That's yeah. kind of like heavy, and that's fine. And yeah, those heavy. movies are fun enough, but this is just fun. Yeah. Like yes, there's a murder early on. Um, yes, the bad guy gets shot at the end, but kind of all the in between stuff, like you said, it's this could be the Hardly Boys, the Hardy Boys, you know, like they're solving a mystery. It's yeah. a Scooby Doo level stuff of Axel Foley breaking into this Bonds warehouse, following people around, going to the country club and threatening the guy. Like none of this is particularly like conf- You know, it's not shootouts and things. You know, you've got Rose, Rosewood and Taggart have got to, oh, t- you know, follow him around and the banner in the tailpipe and send them out, you know. And then, smash cut, strip club. That's right. <laughs> like, that, that's that's another 80s thing, isn't it? With 80s nudity, fantastic. Like, that's what cinema was all about and what people expected in this type of movie. You know, it, I, I think... Again, that's... Just... Part of that slobs versus snobs thing, again, is kind of like that these... And again, the, the racial factor is certainly there. Is that is that Eddie Murphy's? He's cool. He's certainly working blue collar. I think they call it in America. Uh, he's a blue collar guy mm-hmm. generally. Um, so he's going to the strip club. Not even, and it's kind of said like not even really because he wants to go there. I think it's because he knows that Taggart doesn't want to go there. Yeah, it's it is. It's kind of like the 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 kind of straight white guys, you know, who are going to be aghast at having to do this. As would I be, to be fair, but that's a different story. Um, I think my objections would be different. Strip clubs are very depressing places in real life. Um, yeah, I just don't. I'm, I'm all good. I'm all good. Like, maybe well, it's just the ones I've been to. Maybe it's not something I do a lot of. Maybe I need to be going to more upper-class strip joints or lower-class strip joints. Maybe there's a sweet spot, Sam, where the strip joint is really, really fun. And I bet I know what the sweet spot is, and it's probably cocaine. Um, <laughs> Which brings I just us. I just came to that conclusion all of a sudden. It's probably drugs. It's drugs. That's how it's you drugs. enjoy a strip club. Uh, which brings us fantastically to the plot of this movie, Dave. Well done. That really is, you steered us away from that cliff. Fantastic. Which which is that there's... That Colombian marching powder comes marching in. The, 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 but it's okay because it's all covered in coffee. And that'll stop the dogs. And that feels like such a wonderful like do you think do you think they've trained the dogs to smell coffee and cocaine together? Of course they have. This this is such a like a nice eighties naivety of of I think it's one of these things that's like and I get I didn't read the trivia because I can't do I can't continue to do the trivia on IMDB because it's just It's trash. Shit. It? Yeah. It's trash. But I bet that this was something that sort of you know, at least early in the early days, did exist because it's kind of like an arms race between drug dealers and mm. drug enforcement officers, officers, isn't it? Where the te- you know they develop their technologies aside, aside each other. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. I know, but but you know, so it's, but it's a cool. It's an interesting it's thing the rules in this movie. movie. Isn't it? Um, is this the movie where he breaks the? Oh, I think it might be the second one where he breaks into somewhere. <laughs> Using chewing gum wrappers, maybe the third one. 
Mm, I can't remember. We need to watch all of them, don't we, to to really understand. I can't remember, but that, that that's another thing where it's this detective character, which I like. I love the detective character detecting, like in the warehouse with the with the bonds. That's detective work. He's gone in there so he can find out about the crates and about the the network, so that he can go to the police and get them to make an arrest. And it's not because he more or less knows that this guy's had his friend killed more or less straight away. But the movie is about solving the mystery of how he's bringing stuff in and why he's bringing it in and who he's working for. And again, because kind of justify, because in a Lethal Weapon movie, you can't help but think they just shoot this guy and make something up later, you know? That'd be a lot simpler, wouldn't it? And oh, look, TV, The police certainly think so, yeah. Yeah, TV movies <laughs> have shown us that that's exactly what cops like to do. So, you know, let's, let's cut the shit. Um, I do think, like, like, I think we're gushing about this movie, and rightly so, because it's good. But I do think this movie struggles in the last, like, maybe 20 minutes because we we get a lot of it up, up front. We get a lot of the fun and the action and, the, the you know, the kind of, like, relationship between the characters all pissing each other off. It's really good. And, and then when we're... I kind of wanted more. In the rewatch, I kind of wanted more in terms of that final battle. It felt, like, quite sedate. Like they just kind of go into this house and they, a few people die, and I'm thinking, where's my oil rig, or where's my LA observatory, you know, or where's the top of a tower or a cliff or something? Like, give us something. They don't, they don't nail this. Um, I think it's fine for an action movie, but it's kind of incongruous with the rest of this movie because it's so fun and upbeat and silly for a lot of this movie. The conclusion of we're going to shoot the bad guy, it kind of feels like I don't actually want anyone to get a shot. <laughs> I really don't think... But it, how else do you resolve the movie? Um, the third one... The third one does this better, and I'm going to regret saying those words because it's on, on the record now. Oh, the third one does it better by having basically the same scene but at Disneyland, and that does make it a lot more fun. Um, <laughs> but I agree, they need to do something here because it is just a bit... It's fine. We get a fun line from Billy, and like all the cops show up, and that's good. And 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 it's not just Axel who shoots this guy; it's the captain as well, uh, Bogomil. So it's kind of like a, it's a nice sort of reversal for that character. But yeah, it does fall flat a bit, and it's the one bit of the movie where you're kind of like looking around, like, oh, should I get my phone out and just start reading the trivia or reading the plot summary of the production? I don't think it's a bad thing. I think I just think the momentum of the movie brings us to the point where we're expecting. I think just that extra little bit of like this is how we're we're going to conclude it. I kind of want him to be put away, you know, the baddie. I want I want like justice to be served in that sense, and it isn't that, is it? It's just ah, oh, he's dead. There we go. Move on. Anyone want to get a soda? Like this, we're, we're we're kind of just back to normal. And again, you're thinking, well, what's going to happen now? And maybe the sequel will give us that but it it's a small thing but i think it I, I suppose it reflects how good the rest of the movie is at the pacing at the 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 fun situations that we get into that you kind of just want to have a little bit more of that and, and to take it to the next level you know um because the plot isn't particularly advanced you know we're not we're not we're not really plumbing the depths of, of the human condition <laughs> no, and that's kind of where this movie lives, though, and it's why I watch rewatch yes. it so often because it, it's like Ghostbusters. It's just it's light, it's fun. It's not going to make me question my mortality or you know question whether the government is 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 really looking after my best interests. If anything, it's distracting me from things like that with a fun, upbeat. What feels now like a really like soaked in the period of the early eighties you know, economic boom, changing music and fashion and, and all of that, that I think it captures really well. Um, and ultimately, it's just a good time. Yeah. There's there's a nostalgia for a time that we never lived in, but that, that I think yeah, this is a pure nostalgic 80s movie, you know, and for, for a country we didn't live in either, we never experienced anything like this whatsoever. But I think it typifies that period, isn't it? Which is, which is, you know that's that's kind of what movies do, and the movies that we've watched that are from the thirties or forties do the same thing. And we're like, oh, it was cool in the forties, and this is only one slice of it. 
but it it's enough. It's enough to give you that flavour, and that's where I think this movie is. is yeah, so I would say it held up pretty well. I don't disagree with what you're saying. I think the ending's a bit trash, but it's only the very end. Um, I do think it's a bit throwaway, and I do think they could have given um, the female lead anything to do. <laughs> Lisa Ellibacher is just kind of sat around. But, yeah, I mean, again, you can't. It's probably not even the worst example of... of female characters being ignored no but, at know, least there was a female character in the movie that's you know something progress that's what the stuff well like um i would say she's a more fleshed out character if you could believe it or get, give do it on a better service than even the the female lead in rushmore which we watched recently yeah like there are yeah, you know there yeah. are worse examples of this there are indeed there are indeed Right, well, I think we have uh, come to the end of the movie segment. Let's do some of this. Yes, that's right. It's the semi-relevant movie quiz, the quiz where we try to stump each other with stupid questions that are kind of about 1984's Beverly Hills Cops. We've got three questions each, and whoever gets them... And it's my turn to go first. It is, and you will win a stack of 10,000 Deutschmarks in bearer bonds to spend how you please. Are these, West, are these old East German Deutschmarks? Yeah, good luck. Good luck shilling that at the co-op. See what they come <laughs> Right. So, as usual, I think actually these questions are much more on on the money, so to speak, um, as uh, than we'll usual. Find out. We will. Now, this is Eddie Murphy's sixth highest grossing movie. Okay. Right? With $316 million. Let me see if I can... I've got my. I've got the list. I'm looking at the list, right? So this is $316 million, Beverly Hills Cop. Beverly Hills Cop 2 was the eighth highest grossing um, Eddie okay. Murphy film. I think I'm following right? you. Yeah. Yeah. I wa- actually won Eddie Murphy's top grossing film. And I've got some options for you. Was it Shrek? Oh. Shrek 2? <laughs> Shrek 3? <laughs> or Shrek 4? You know, you know what? When you asked that, I was like, it's definitely Shrek. It's definitely... It's going to be Shrek, isn't it? Because it has to be Shrek, because this movie took over the world. And then you muddied the water. <laughs> I will say... All four of the Shrek movies appear in this top ten. Sequentially, as in they're all in like the top one to four, but not necessarily in order yes, to come out. Yes, they are all in the top one to four. I, I, which one is the top grossing? Right. It's four Shrek movies and then the rest of the list. Do you want to hear the rest of the list while you work it out? <laughs> yeah, go on. The rest of the list after the Shrek movies is, is Coming amazing. to America with 350 million, Beverly Hills Cop with 316, Mulan with 304 this is an indictment on eddie murphy's film career by the way Um, this is what i'm saying beverly hills cop 2 with 300 million dr doolittle 294 and the nutty professor with 274 wow wow right i'm gonna say and this is my logic is that shrek 1 was was a massive hit but because it's shitty kids movies (laughs) parents are like i mean actually shrek 1's pretty fun they're like, oh, what are we going to do with the kids this weekend? Oh, there's that, there's that new Shrek movie. The kids liked that one before, and so they take their kids to the cinema to watch. My answer: Shrek Two. Correct. Yes. Do you want the order? Do you want the I order? Do. No, I'm going to guess the order: Shrek Two, Shrek One, Shrek Three, Shrek Four. No. Ah. Shrek 1 did make loads of money, but it's Shrek 2, Shrek 3, Shrek 4, and then Shrek 1. Holy fuck. By a lot as well. By a lot. Shrek 2, 928 million. Nearly a billion dollars. Wow. Right? Shrek 2, I would... I I don't like any of these movies, really. I'd say Shrek Shrek 2 was the biggest one and probably the best one. Um, Shrek the 3rd, 813 million, so 100 million drop-off or so. Shrek Forever After, which I believe is the fourth one, um, seven hundred fifty-two million. Shrek, which was a runaway hit, three hundred fifty million. Just shows you, 
just shows. Well, you the films were bigger as well. Like Shrek Two, it's got a bigger cast. It's more, it's more uh, ambitious. Um, it's building it's right, off that well. franchise thing. It's, it's all right. Shrek One, I think, is pretty good, but Shrek Two is okay. So there we go. Yeah. Right, next question. So, John David Ashton. I hope you haven't read all these Wikipedia articles. John David Ashton, who played Taggart in this movie, right? Okay. I want to know, and I've got some options for you, how old he was when they filmed this movie. <laughs> right? Because because he's he's 80s he's, he's an 80s man, which means he could be anywhere between 28 and 51. And I honestly would, I honestly would believe any of uh, any any age in that range. What's my options? Your options are: is he a thirty-six, b forty-six, or c fifty-six? Again, because of all the lead in 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 the water, because of all the the cars with their terrible. Exhaust emissions, all the smoking, all the drinking, the ozone's going to shit. You know, it's just like our future, really. Well, I think that he is going to have to. I, I don't think he's thirty-six. Oh, maybe he is. <laughs> That's our age, Sam. Nearly. He's he's older than he's older than um, Rosewood, isn't he? That's the that's the he's like the more veteran. Yeah. I don't think 50, though. That feels, I, I'm going to go middle. I'm going to go 46. Incorrect. Oh. I had to check. I double and triple check this because this guy's still alive, right? Are you telling me he's fucking 36 <laughs> in this movie? This, this movie, they are talking about his retirement. This guy was 36 years old. He was born in 1948. And if you check my maths there, that means that when this movie came out, he was 36 years old. And in this movie, I don't believe you. I can't believe in this. That. Is it this movie? In this movie, I think they, or it might be the second movie where they make a joke about him looking like Gerald Ford. They make a joke about him being the retired president, which is not. He's had a lot of work done. I, I, it must be the second one because I don't remember hearing seeing it in this movie. Um, He's and in the second one, in, this. in the end of the second movie, he retires. In mean, the joke police, in this movie is that he eats loads of red meat. Ridiculous early, you know, but still. But no, still. it's what it is. Is they get you are right. This guy had a hard paper round. Um, He's having steak dinners every night. He's having exact, steak dinners and whiskey every morning. Pumped, <laughs> pumped into his veins. Washed down with fifty-five cigarettes before lunchtime. Jesus. Before, um, going, before going for a walk and inhaling <laughs> several. Uh, tons of particulate from engines just going for a walk in the park you know like yeah. he's just... Jesus yes. right third question so you're one for two one for two so far right mm. so Gilbert Hill plays uh, Inspector Todd in this film and he reprises this role in the second and third movies uh, which of these facts about him is true so I'm going to read you three facts I want you to pick the one that's correct so one of them's correct two of them are false Number one, he was the mayor of Detroit in real life. I should say these are all in real life. Um, number two, he really was an inspector in the Detroit Police Department. Oh, nice. Number three, he once paid someone $125,000 to put out a hit on an FBI informant. What? You know, when you said the mayor, I was like, definitely he wasn't the mayor of Detroit. That's, that can't be. <laughs> but then when you compare it to the other two, he was so. So let me just get he, Mayor Detroit. He was a, he was in the police, and the final one is that he paid. He, he hired a hitman to kill who? An FBI informant. An FBI informant. I think all three could be true. You know, combined. They he are the not all three. I should. I will say this is not a trick question. He was the mayor, and also at the same time, he was in the police. And as part of that, because he was a dirty cop, he hired a hitman to kill an FBI informant. I don't even know where to fucking begin with this. I think 
I'm, tr I'm trying to decode. I'm trying to do. I'm trying to decode your. What, what would you put in it? The FBI informant <laughs> attempted assassination feels a stretch. But then maybe, maybe you've done that because that's the that's what you found and went what, and that triggered you to then think of this question. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna discount. I'm gonna discount the mayor one because I don't think he he will become an actor. But then Detroit. Oh, no, I'm gonna do it right. So that means <laughs> he's either in the police or he hired. A hitman to kill, to kill someone. <laughs> was it before? No, you can't tell me that. He was in the police. That is correct. However, yes. in 2001, he was the runner-up in the Detroit mayoral race. <laughs> Good for him. He was an inspector in the Detroit Police Department. In fact, he wasn't. He was a serving officer at the time of this movie. He decided not to pursue acting, really, but he did appear in the two sequels to this movie. Um, he actually retired in 1989 as a commander in the Detroit Police, um, wow. which I believe is a quite senior role. Um, that then led to his joining the Detroit City Council and becoming the chairman of the council. Um, and then in 2001, he ran for mayor and narrowly lost, I believe. Um, and also, allegedly, while he was in the, a commander in the police, uh, he attempted to pay someone £125,000 to put a hit out on an FBI informant to hide corruption in the you, Detroit Police true? Department. Allegedly. Read his Wikipedia article. It's a wild ride. So what I said was... What I said was... I said that all three were true... And that is only just slightly wrong because he he was he was nearly mayor and he attempted to hire someone. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. Well, basically, I, I went on his, the Wikipedia article because I, I, this name? guy's in all three of these films. Um, his name is uh, Gilbert Hill. Um, and I was like, he, so he's got a real that guy energy. You know, he feels like a meme. He's the shouty inspector. He's the shouty captain. Um so I was like, oh, and he's at Wikipedia. I was like, oh, he, he was in the police. That's really cool. That's interesting. I wonder if he, because so many police do, transition from being in the police to, you know, being an actor. And I was like, no, he did these three movies and a couple of other things, and that was it. And he was like, I don't really want to do that. And then I was like, oh, that's interesting. He was it. Oh, then he ran for mayor. Oh, that's really cool. I bet Sam will never guess. They'll never believe that. And then I was like, he wants, so he allegedly paid, a, tried to hire an assassin. Wow. He, he, so the guy Richard Wersh Jr. was like about the uh, an informant about the, the Detroit. God, he was an informant at age fourteen. Yeah. Holy shit! What so the I think the idea was it was while he was a senior police officer he allegedly tried to hire someone to kill this guy before wow. this guy could basically out corruption in the Detroit Police Department which plays into a whole propaganda thing really this guy's playing it in real life he's doing it in real life well let's let's give let's give some light applause for so uh, two for three there sam not bad i i really three. wasn't sure about that third one i thought i thought about making the third the, you know rather than the assassination thing i thought about making it something more believable to try and trick you um I can't be tricked, is what's happening here, Dave. Um, you were tricked just... by that second question, Sam. Oh, well, fuck you. Anyway. So I still don't qu quite believe it, really. I think we need to go back to the archives on that one. <laughs> I think he needs to publish his passport, like Obama. I think he needs to prove to us how, what, what year he was born in. Show us the birth certificate. It's ridiculous. So, question one, and you've... So, I've got three questions. I've got two points, which means you need to pull this out of the bag unless we draw, like, a boring game of soccer. <laughs> Eddie Murphy question one Eddie Murphy is famous for playing multiple characters in films such as Coming to America Norbert and The Nutty Professor but how many okay. characters does he play in the three movies I just mentioned combined so that's Coming to America Norbert and The Nutty Professor is it A 7 B 15 or C 25 how many characters does he play in Coming to America, Norbert, and the Nutty Professor movies, both of them. And the Nutty Professor, right. So, 
One and two. I feel like I feel like in Norbert he's he's playing at least seven characters just in Norbert. I think. Um, in the Naughty Professor he plays four or five maybe because he plays the. Would you meet the clumps in the first one? Um, I feel like in Coming to America, he definitely plays himself. Obviously, the character, his main, the main character, and I think he plays a barber in Age Makeup. I think so. That's at least two. Um, no, but he, I think he really is playing like seven or eight characters in that. I think it's fifteen. It's got to be fifteen. Dramatic pause while I find the button. Correct, fifteen. Now you were right. And I'm just going to check my maths here because I'm doubting my ability to count. 4 plus 3 plus 8 is 15. So in Coming to America, he played four characters. Not a Professor 1 and 2. I've combined them. He played eight as roughly. And Norbert, he played only three. But... Well, really? That was enough for you to get it correct. Well, I, I think because the second more... Naughty Professor is Meet the Clumps, and I think he's playing all the family. The whole family, and it's, it combines, I think, some of the characters you played in the first one, which wasn't that many, so there we go. Eight. Let's never do those movies. Please, God. I think Norbert would be really bad, because that, that, that looks terrible. I've never seen it, but that looks terrible. So, one point for you. Let's move to the second question. This film is another classic from Hollywood mega-producer Jerry Bruckheimer. Which of the following films is not a Jerry Bruckheimer production? 2001's Pretty Racist, Black Hawk Down. 2002's Vin Diesel Action Trash Fest, Triple X. Don't Google that, listener. Oh, <laughs> seriously, because straight away, straight away. <laughs> what, awesome. you might end up watching a Vin Diesel film from 2004? <laughs> it's obscene. Uh, so, Black Hawk Down, Triple X, or... Imagine a movie podcast, previous, previous episode, and Nick Cage classic, Gone in 60 Seconds. Which one of these is not a Jerry Bruckheimer movie? This is a tough one. Is Black Hawk Down, is Christian Slater, and it's not it's Travolta. The... No, it's 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 the one that's set in um, Mogadishu. Uh, um, uh, the, the, you know, but the where the Black Hawk helicopter crashes in Somalia and as the movie tells it hordes of Somalians like ascend like zombies onto these gallant Americans who gun them oh, down. I've never seen that. It's it's I'm going to send you some clips because it's really like they 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 the portrayal of of the of the Somalians and the heroic Americans. It came out in December 2001 which I think probably You'll understand the vibe that they were. Who's the star? Yeah, Josh Hartnett. Um, <laughs> God, Eric Banner, Tom Sizemore, just killing loads and loads of people who don't look like them. So the second one's Triple X. Um, is this pornography? Have you ever seen it? No. It's he plays. I'm going to XXX movie. That's not good enough. That still sends you porn. Uh, <laughs> what do you have to Google? I know. I, I do I send, you send me a secure link? I thought Google would like go. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Nope, straight top result. Top result. Um, it stars Vin, Vin Diesel as Xander Cage. Get it? Triple X. The U.S. government recruits extreme sports athlete Xander Cage to infiltrate a Russian criminal ring, which is plotting the destruction of the world. So I think this. Do you know what? Feature movie. I've, I've seen this. We have to watch it. This definitely sounds. It's not this because this sounds like a Bruckheimer pit flick. This sounds like a Bruckheimer film. Um, okay. And the last option was Gone, Gone in, 60, in 60, seconds. sixty seconds. Nick Cage got got. We have seen Nick Cage because I know Bruckheimer did National Treasure. I think, which is also Nicolas Cage. Uh, um, I believe so. So I'm going to say, and I might regret this, I'm going to say Black Hawk Down, partly because I've never seen it and I thought it was a different movie um, starring Christian Slater and possibly John Travolta uh, and a nuclear bomb. 
oh, it's I'm so going to find happening. out what movie I'm talking about. Um, if if we can if we can get on streaming, we are so watching Triple X, which would be uh, what? What was your final answer? No, a the Black Hawk Down. Black Hawk Down. So that's a massive. No, that's not right. <laughs> that was the wrong one. That's not correct. The answer is Triple X. Vin oh, really? Diesel movie. It is indeed. And it is trash. It's total trash. And I think it's just one of those brilliant movies that's ever so slightly too shit for Jerry Bruckheimer. Because as much as I think Bruckheimer movies, you know, they're not amazing, but there's a, there is still a certain quality level, which I think he manages to achieve. Um, Black Hawk Down as well. Ridley Scott directed movie. Like, it's really insane how that movie was made but it's 2001 you know America's swinging wild so it doesn't surprise me yeah uh, the film I was thinking of by the way uh, was Broken Arrow also sounds shite who made that with not, not Jerry Brown. 1996 it's John Travolta and Christian Slater uh, and it's directed by John Woo well there we go add it to the list we'll get there one day next question in the batshit insane Beverly Hills cops uh, Be- Beverly Hill Beverly Hill why still Beverly Hills Cop, you dickhead? In the batshit insane Beverly Hills Cop Three, Detective Rosewood has gained the title of D D O J S I O C. But what does that stand for? Is it oh fuck de- off! Is it the Deputy Director of Joint Special Interoperational Command, the Deputy Director of Judicial Security and International Oversight Certification? Or the director of Deep Oceanic Joint Security Initiatives and Operations Coordination. Give me that for the second one again. Second one is Deputy Director of Judicial Security and International Oversight Certification. And what's the first one? Uh, Deputy Director of Joint Special Interoperational Command. And the last it's the one first is, one. It's the first dep- one. And the last one is just for completeness. I remember this. I remember this because in the in the movie, um, <laughs> in the movie, he's basically like got a computer that's his superpower is he has a, yeah. his job is he has a computer and he has this board with all of these lights to basically and he is automated like traffic tickets and stuff and he's basically in charge of like it, the idea i think the joke is that his job is basically he's overcomplicated um like communicate basically he's overcomplicated controlling traffic lights like ambulances through basically i think but it's like this incredibly complex and he's so proud of it and axel could not understand less what he's talking about um this is the film taggart isn't in by the way because taggart's retired at the grand old age of 39 (laughs) he's died of ill he's also yeah rosewood has overcomplicated the whole thing with the title ddoj sioc which are you going for the you're going for a <laughs> Definitely, it's not oceanic, and it's. I don't think the second one made any like grammatical sense. That's a big, and I'm gonna get the correct button this time. Ding! It is indeed the deputy director of Joint Special Interoperational Command. Not that that makes happened. any more sense than any of the other things you said. It's just no. And you know what? You know how I got these. I went. I put them into ChatGPT, which is actually pretty good at doing this. If you give it a bunch <laughs> of acronyms, it will give you loads and loads of options. And these are the, That's cool. the funniest ones. So how how many points did you get, Dave? I have no idea. Two. You got two. I got two. And that means that it's a tie, does it? It's a tie. However, if we will remember, I was ahead technically. I don't believe that. I think the points stand as David, 6,728 points, and you've got seven. (laughs) (laughs) I believe. Is that how it works? (laughs) I think so. Is that how it works? Do we want a arbitrary tiebreaker? If it could mean I'd lose, I don't have a tiebreaker. How many minutes? How long was this movie? Don't look. Don't Google it. And we have to guess. We both know roughly what it is. We have to guess to the minute. So I, I, will, I, I think will do, you do a guess. I'll do a guess, and then I'll Google it. I think it's 112 minutes. 112. I think it is 100 and. 
So 90 minutes, half an hour, is an hour and a half, I think. And <laughs> Carry the noodle. It's three months <laughs> later. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Sam trying to do basic maths. <laughs> Sam, Sam, I'm just trying to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to get it right. I want to get it right. It's 112. I think it's 105. I think this is 105 minutes long. Let's have a look. Going to Wikipedia, clicking the links. Oh my god. Will you believe, and I swear to my god, that this, I did not Google this. It's 105 minutes long. Stop the steal. This guy is fucking me right live on air. <laughs> I am it's not. A tri- it's, a, it's a triple X fucking on the Imaginary Movie Podcast when Sam has cheated. I swear to God, I didn't. I didn't do that. 105 minutes. I've won the show, and there we go. Heavenly applause. That, that, that answer was somehow worth 6,312 points or whatever I said, minus seven. I'm, I'm the glorious winner. I have taken home the crown, and you're a loser, Dave. And I'm really sorry about that. Really, listen. Don't feel bad about it. It's not something you need to internalize and you know write poetry about. But there we go. You're a massive loser. <laughs> well, we have, I think, uh, kicked the ass out of this of this segment suitably uh, enough to get us out of here. But I've really enjoyed watching this, and I look forward to watching the second one. And there is also a third movie as well. Which from recollection. Be- on the record, I think the second one is shit and the third one is also shit but fun. Yeah. But I guess, you know, that's like the progression of um, sequels, isn't it, really? Second one, although not apparently according to fucking Shrek, where the, they just keep getting more and more money. <laughs> I can't believe that's the one you got wrong. <laughs> I just look forward to the third one and the needless George Lucas cameo. 